Let's open our Bibles today to the book of James chapter 1. As we cover today in verses 21 through 25, uh, some important uh, verses. Um, number one, we're going to see in verse 21 a key to hearing God's word. You know, you want to hear it, you want to receive it, you want to let it sink in. Some people can't hear because we'll see there are things getting in the way. And then number two, there's a commitment to do God's word. So don't want to just be hearers. We want to be doers as well to achieve it and live it out loud. And so notice what you read in verse 21 of James 1. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And so I know we just kind of dove into it. Um, but, you know, whenever you come across the word, therefore, you always want to ask, why is it therefore right? And the context, I think, if you go back to verse 19, he says to, to, be, uh, to be listeners, to, to make sure, let every man be swift to hear. To hear what? To hear the Bible. To hear God's voice. To hear God's word. And so he's kind of in that context. He says, therefore, lay aside all, all filthiness and an overflow of wickedness. And if you have an old King James, it says all naughtiness. All, that word right there is an interesting word. It means ill will toward others, a desire to injure others. Lay that aside and so, that, so that then you can receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so it's really simple. You know, how many of you guys do uh, gardening? Do you ever plant anything? Do you guys ever work in the, in the yard and stuff like that? I mean, I, I, I don't do it a lot, but every once in a while I, I do. And so someone will give my wife a plant and she'll ask me to replant it for her. And some live and some die, you know, that is. I, and I will tell you this because I just, we got a nice, uh, I can't remember the, the name of that flower, in our front yard and it is just blooming like crazy. And then we got one in the backyard. You know, I like bougainvilleas a lot, um, but it's just having a hard time. But you want to know the simple difference. The reason is because one has great soil. And the other, my wife told me, she saw, yeah, when they did the cement, you know, they laid down cement. I guess they have some leftovers, so they put it over there with the dirt. And that's why it's so hard, and that's why it's so messed up. And so it's very, very simple. The Word of God, the voice of God, the message of God is like a seed that wants to go into your soil, that wants to be implanted in your heart to save you, to sanctify you. This is the voice of God. And so the only difference between the, you know, the one in the front and the one in the back, the one that's flourishing and the one that's not, is the condition of the soil. And so for us, the whole context here, James has been saying, um, then receive the word. Be swift to hear. Listen. For the voice of God. And, and that's what he's saying. You know, let your heart be right so that when the seed goes in, it'll bear fruit. You know, we're here we have a key to hearing God's word. I'm not saying it's necessarily everything, but it's definitely a part of it. And that is, he says, therefore lay aside, lay aside all filthiness. And so we're going to see the word all come up a lot today. All filthiness and overflow of wickedness that, so that you can receive with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. And so as we come to church service, you know, as we open up our Bibles, as we live our lives, we need to have that, that heart to hear, 
And, and in order to have that heart to hear, and some people hear better than others, right? And, and, and the reason for that in the Christian world is because sometimes we got stuff in our ear that's getting in the way. And so what James says right here is to be good listeners by getting rid of all the filthiness and excess wickedness so that we can receive with meekness his, his word. You know, I know I don't know about you guys. Every once in a while, I'll go around with my AirPods or I'm even working out with my AirPods in my ears. You know, my wife's talking to me and I'm like, I, you know, I can't hear her. So what do you do? You take them out or you tap twice and then stops the music, right? Whatever it might be. So we got stuff in our ears. We got this, sometimes these issues, this wickedness, and it's just getting in the way of us hearing the voice of the one who loves us, the voice of God. Because a lot of times we're hanging on to things that we shouldn't be hanging on to. You know, we have to have hearts that are open, yes, but we also have to have hearts that are, that are holy. We have a picture, kind of a silly picture of a guy with earphones on. Um, the other day I went to an Apple store. They got these really, really good earphones, and when you put them on, it's like sucks everything out, else out, and it just sounds great. And so, sure, you can hear yourself great, but you're not going to be able to hear anyone else. And believe it or not, there are some Christians walking around in one sense like that, or some non-Christians. They're walking around with stuff. They cannot hear the voice of God. And so we need to lay aside all, all filthiness in order to hear God's word. Peter wrote something similar in First Peter chapter 2, very similar. He says, I like Peter's version though because he kind of gets specific with things. He says, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy. You know, envy is when you don't like it when others are getting blessed. Evil speaking. He says, lay all that aside. Same thing we saw in James. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know, he says basically the same thing. Now he's talking to new believers, but you can be a non-believer, you can be an old believer, it doesn't matter, the same principle. You lay aside everything, all malice, all envy, all sin, things that you know in your life are not right, so that you can then receive the word. As a new believer, you got milk, you're going to grow eventually to meat, and then Hebrews 5 talks about that same thing. We, we start eating solid food. Next thing you know, you know, we become strong because we're able to hear the voice of God. You know, we need to lay aside, he says right here, all filthiness. The, the Greek word is translated filthiness, but it, it actually is an interesting word that can be used for that filth that soils our, our clothes or, or our bodies. I was wondering if you could turn to Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. Because that particular Greek word is only found one time in the New Testament. But it is found in the Old Testament version of Greek. It's called the Septuagint. And it's an interesting place where it's found in the Septuagint. It's found here in Zechariah 3. And you guys might remember this story. Look what it says in verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. 
This is not a brand, a brand plucked from the fire. He's talking about Joshua the high priest. So if you can visualize it, there's Joshua the high priest, you have the Lord, and you have the devil. And, and, and the, the Lord is interesting. He's rebuking the enemy, and, and he says, the Lord rebuke you. He's chosen Jerusalem. He's talking about Joshua. This guy right here, he's a brand plucked from the fire. That, see, that's who we are. We're, we're like plucked out of the fire. When you're a Christian, you get pulled out of the fire. You're chosen. You're part of this heavenly citizenship in Jerusalem, right? But, but the enemy, he's going to come against us. There's a battle going on. Here's Satan, right? And so it says in verse 3, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Filthy garments standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, we got to see, when you see the whole conversation here, it's, it's real interesting that this angel of the Lord with a capital A, he's, he's, he's Jesus. And so here's Joshua with filthy clothes. It's probably been a while since any of you have had filthy clothes on, huh? The other day I was working hard, and you know what happens when you work hard? You start smelling bad. And uh, I normally don't give sisters hugs too much, but this one sister, she, and I'm like, oh no, I better not. But she ended up giving her a little side hug like that. Uh, and I just, I'm like, man, I smell bad. I'm sorry, you know. Sometimes when I'm working out, I don't know if you guys, do you guys, when you work out, do you sweat like crazy? Isn't it cool to do that? You should. I, I sweat like crazy, man. And so um, my, my daughter will say, ooh. I'll be, I'll be I'll like, hey, sweetheart, give me a hug, you know? And she'll say, no. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Uh, what, what he's saying is, here's Joshua, the high priest. He just has filthy clothes on. And, and basically what's going on is Satan is saying, look at that. Look at that man. Look at how filthy he is. Right? That's what's going on right here. But look at verse 4. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. And so they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. You know, he had filthy clothes on, same Greek word that's used in James. It's right there, the filthy clothes. Filthy, but God says, no, give him new clothes, right? And then what ends up happening is God goes on and he shares this an interesting thing. James chapter, I mean, Zechariah 4, it's just this grace, this grace, shouts of grace, it even says, of what God does. And so when when we're talking about, you know, um, laying aside all filthiness and all wickedness and all malice and all envy and all the garbage and all the porn and all the drinking and all the drugs and all the dirty mouth and all that kind of filthiness that comes out of our flesh and pride and all that kind of stuff. What we're talking about is something that Jesus can do, wants to do, will do in your life. See, we just have to let him. You can't do it. I can't do it. You know, you might look at me and you might say, I'm sure Manny doesn't sin. No, you guys don't say that, huh? You guys know that I sin a lot, right? How come you're laughing? I don't get it. (laughs) But all I know, you guys, is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
And I know this, that I want to hear the voice of God. I got a lot of people talking in different directions and the world has a message to give and you know, there's a lot, a lot of stuff out there, but, you know, even me, I can't even trust my own voice. I want to hear the voice of God. Well, the only way you're going to really hear the voice of God, you know, you're reading and you really want to hear it, is if you lay aside those filthy things that are getting in the way. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is through Christ. And that's what we see. If you go back to James, that's the key in order to, to hear you know, one other thing before you move away from this Greek word, it also has an interesting connection in that it comes to us from another word which is, when used in a medical context, actually refers to earwax. Earwax. Do you guys, some people I think they get more earwax than others. My wife, she was fascinated with that, looking at my kids. Hey, you got anything there, you know? And uh, I remember going to Cambodia, and they probably do it here in the States, but I remember going to Cambodia and one of the brothers, a dear brother, he went to one of these little shops where they take out the earwax. And so he sat there and, you know, it was a trip, man. There was a lot of earwax in this guy's ear and he's just pulling it out and putting it on the white towel right there. I'm like, dude, that's gross. That was in your ear? But they pulled it out, sure enough, and afterwards we told his wife, and she saw, that's why he couldn't hear me. <laughs> Sometimes we have that, and we can't hear God. And God is saying, do you want to hear me? Do you really want to hear what I have to say? Okay, then let's deal with some of the things that we need to 86 out of your life. That's what James is saying. That's what Peter is saying. That's the principle that we need to understand. I have to check my own heart. I have to check my own ears. Is the ear wax there? Is there any sin that I'm holding on to that I need to lay aside and get rid of? You know, when you look at this, you can't help but think of Matthew chapter 13. And I was wondering if you could turn there uh, as well. Because it's the same principle. You guys remember this parable. I'm sure you do. It's one of the most popular ones in Matthew 13. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat on the shore, uh, sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, a sower went out to sow and he sowed some seed and he sowed some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. There it is. And you might want to circle that word good ground and, and yielded a crop. Some 100 and some 30, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, it kind of goes back to that, huh? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I mean, hear this, you know? Same thing. The, the sower is who? Who's the sower? Jesus is not the pastor, not the preacher, it's not whoever it might be. They might be a vessel of some sort, but really they're insignificant. The sower is Jesus. And the seed is what? 
it's the word of God. It's the Bible, right? The truth, right? It gets sown. And then the, the ground is in reference to the, the, the heart. The soils are in reference to the heart. And really, there's only four types of hearts that we see here in the parable. I think we even have a picture of them. And so I know this isn't the, great, the greatest picture. I was like, man, I can't really find a really good one. So anyways, here they are. But you can kind of see it a little bit, right? And so the first guy over there, they, they sow the seed by the wayside. And this is where the ground has been stepped on. And the seed just does, doesn't even go in. It doesn't even go in. And there are some people whose hearts are so hard. I mean, you could speak to them until you're blue in the face. And they just, their hearts are so hard, it doesn't go in. They don't understand it, which is an interesting thing. Jesus went on to explain this whole thing. And then what happens? The Bible says that the devil comes and snatches away that seed that was supposedly sown in their heart. Now, I just want to share with you real quick on that because a couple of things. Some people say, well, you, you, know, you give the word and it never comes back void. It's an interesting thing. He says if the heart is so hard, it's so hard that the devil comes and he, and he takes that seed away. Now, it's also interesting, and I just want to share this with you because he also says if they don't understand, and the devil comes and, and takes it away. That's why I encourage you, when you hear a Bible study or when you're reading the Bible, do the best you can to understand it. To understand it. Because if not, you know, it just kind of like disappears. I mean, maybe you can categorize it for later. Maybe someone else will come and you know, explain it more and give more light. But generally speaking, my encouragement to you is to open your heart. Lord, speak to me as you're reading the word, going to church service, listening to Bible study, just living life. You know, open your heart and, and don't let it fall by the wayside. Now, the second one right here is in reference to the shallow ground. And so they sow the seed and, um, and there's, uh, there's rocks. And so you would see this in Israel. You know, there's limestone right underneath the surface. And so, if, you know, at first it looks kind of cool. You get some people, they're pretty excited about this whole Christian thing. They're super excited, right? But then what happens, it says the sun comes up and it scorches it because there's no depth of, of ground, then it, it withers away. And that those are those who are kind of like superficial Christians. Well, I'll follow God as long as he blesses my life and gives me what I want. And when he doesn't, then I'm out of here. See, that, that can happen. It's the condition of the heart. The third one right here is the one that's sowed among the thorns. And so what that's in reference to is a crowded life, a busy life. Uh, I've always uh, shared with people that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't deceive you, he'll distract you, right? And so the, the thorns and the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches, it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. But then the last one is, is the good ground. You know, your heart is open. He uses an interesting word. They receive the word with meekness. Meekness. What is meekness? It's strength under control. It's, it's humility. Lord, I, I, you know, you might be, sometimes I get tempted to think that I know it all. That I got it all figured out. You know, that I'm whatever, a perfect man. And God says, absolutely not. You know, meekness. You ever guys heard it said me, ek, like ek? <laughs> That's me. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will receive the word. 
And when God finds a heart that's soft soil, good ground, when God finds that heart and he plants his seed there, oh man, it is going to grow. You will grow to be a godly man or woman. God will use your life in such an amazing way. And so um, things to think about in looking at this parable, um, what we find right here is a simple message. If I'm willing to repent of my sin, then I'll have the capacity to receive God's word and be blessed and rewarded. You know, that's how our Christian life began. If you think about it, we repent and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Um, and and, and it, to repent of, of a couple of things. Number one, the sin. I think there's part of it as far as like, hey, I used to be in, in this crazy sin and, and some people, will, won't, won't, they're not willing to let go of it. They're not willing to let go of it. And the Lord says, well, you've got to let go of it. You've got to let go of that sin. And, and just say, at least, Lord, help me change. And he will. I'm not saying you've got to be perfect, but there has to be a willingness to let go of the sin and receive Jesus as Lord. And there also has to be repentance in this. A repentance that you, you stop, you know, you, you're, you're no longer an unbeliever. You're now a believer. And that's why we say it this way, to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You get rid of the sin. You're willing to give it to God. Lay it down there at the cross and believe in Him. And so that's how it started, to repent in order to receive. And that's how it continues to, to, to go, to grow. It's the way it works. You know, the Word of God is able to save us and sanctify us. And so we need to know that. You know, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, I was wondering if you guys could turn there. We have the story of the Bereans. And this is a really beautiful story in Acts 17. I know a lot of you are familiar with this, but if you're not, this is amazing. He says in verse 10, Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. And so you've got to remember, uh, Paul the Apostle would go to the different cities and the Jews, they had a, a desire for God's word Right, but but you know they didn't have not when when Paul would go to the different cities, some of them were not open to the the way that Paul interpreted them, and so uh, their their hearts were closed. But when he went to Berea, as Paul was giving the word, they were like ready, they were fair-minded, they were noble, and and I encourage you guys, myself included, because I'm not always teaching. Sometimes I'm sitting in different studies that I go to, a lot of times I'm reading or I'm listening to studies all the time. And I know that it's not just anointed preaching that we need, it's anointed listening. When you go in there and you're like, I don't know about this guy, he's just a guy. But when you go in there and you're like, I want to hear the word, I want to hear the scriptures, like these Bereans right here, with all readiness, man, you're going to be blessed. You're coming to church service and you're like, man, I want to hear the Bible. I want to hear the voice of God. You're ready for it. You're excited about it. We should be. And not only that, 
when you're, he's teaching, whoever it is that's teaching, you're searching the scriptures. Okay, he said that. Let me check over here. Is that line up with the Bible? And that's why it's so beautiful to have the Bible. That's why it's so important to have the Bible. Because if you know the word of God, then no one can deceive you. There are a lot of preachers and teachers out there and churches out there that I'll tell you what, man, they, it's not lining up with Scripture. It's not. And so all I'm saying, you guys, is let's be a Berean. You know, let's make sure that we are open to the Scriptures because it's so important for us. Because if not, we're going to find ourselves in big uh, trouble. You know, Jeremiah 25.4 is an interesting passage. It says, And the Lord has sent to you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear. Now, these guys were rising up early. What has that got to do with it? What it meant is that this is urgent. This is, this is, they're eager to share this message because it's so important. Lest you be swept away. But Jeremiah was sharing the message. People were not listening. And so the Lord says, hey, we, we got to have this heart to hear. A key to hearing God's word is getting rid of the sin. Let Jesus do that. Let Jesus do that in your life. Let it sink in. Don't have a hard heart. Don't have a shallow heart. Don't have a crowded heart. Have a good heart ready and open to him. And then as you do that, that's not enough, though, because some people will think, well, that's enough. I got it. I just scored, man. And the Lord said, no, it's just beginning now. Because look what he says next in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, when you, when you see this right here, that he's basically saying you can actually deceive yourself into thinking that I, I heard the, the Bible, I heard the voice of God, I like the study, and like I've told you guys before, sometimes I even say, well, I taught the study, Lord. And God says, well, that's, not, that's nothing. As a matter of fact, you're more accountable now. It's not just you know, hearing, you have to be doers. So we can deceive ourselves into thinking that hearing is sufficient. Reading is, is all I'm required to do. You know, I read my Bible today. No, you guys, it's not enough. Luke eleven twenty seven through 28, it says, As he was speaking in reference to Jesus, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus replied in verse 28, But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God, and put it into practice. Now, I don't think that's necessarily saying anything derogatory about Mary, the mother, uh, human mother of Jesus. I don't, it's not. But, but, you know, they're saying, oh, how blessed is your, your mother. You know, but I don't think it's saying anything derogatory about her. I just think it's saying something uh, admirable or amazing about Christians. That, that must have been a blessing. How many of you moms, just out of curiosity, would, would, would have been blessed to have Jesus as your son. I'm just curious. That'd be that pretty cool. <laughs> Probably wouldn't even have to ask him to take out the trash, right? <laughs> so, you know, she was blessed. Mary was blessed. But what, what he's saying is even more blessed than that is just someone who hears the word of God and does it. And I was thinking on my way in today, Lord, like, 
like what, you know? And there's just so many things I could think of. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay, I, I know the passage. I want to do it. You know, um, you know, just uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer. Okay, Lord, I'm going to pray. You know, this is how you treat your wife. This is how, you know, you're cool with your kids. I mean, you name it. This is a type of worker you're going to be. The Bible describes it in Ephesians chapter 6. I mean, you just name it. And so you start hearing the word and, and, and you're doing it, right? Remember the, the, the story or what Jesus shared in Matthew 7? If you want to turn there. You guys getting dizzy? You're like, he keeps telling us to look at these different verses in the Bible, man. But it's good. It's good. The best commentary in the Bible is the Bible. And that's the best illustration as well. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is a Sermon on the Mount. It's the closest thing we have to a Christian manifesto. And so as Jesus shared all these amazing words in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, it says in verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. And so the, the, you're going to see the people, when they, they're done, they even go on and they're like, whoa, that was an awesome study. They were really impressed with the, that study that Jesus gave. But Jesus said, he says, but I want you to know this, that, you know, the one who hears these things of mine and, and he does them, you know, it's like a man who built his house on, on a firm foundation, a rock, you know, and it's there and it's anchored to the rock and the winds and the waves and the rain, and the storm, it all comes and it doesn't move because they were a doer of the word and not a hearer only. But those who, yeah, great message, great message, but they went out and they did not live it. He said, it's like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so when the rain and the wind and the storm came, it fell. It will fall. One day it will fall. And great will be its fall. Why? Because throughout their lives, they were not doers. They were hearers only. And it goes back to that, you guys. You know, that's what James is saying. A, very, a, lot, of t- a lot of people will point out the fact that James and Jesus were, you know, there's no doubt they're brothers. So they talk a lot about the same things. You know, back in the book of James, I want to go there and then I want to read to you out of Ezekiel 33. You guys don't have to turn there. But listen to what it says in Ezekiel 33. It says, So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. Imagine that. And we're talking about the days of Jeremiah, just trying to warn them regarding the Babylonians, the days of Ezekiel, trying to get them back to where they belong. They would not listen. 
Oh, he sounds nice, like nice soft music or whatever it might be, pleasant. But they weren't obedient. You know, what we see right here is this, as we receive with meekness the implanted word, it's able to save our souls. You know, I was thinking of how important obedience is of, of, of someone like, we can go through anybody in the Bible almost, you know, but I was thinking of Noah, how, how there was no Noah. I don't know if that sounds weird to you, but there was no Noah. No, uh, God says do this. No, uh, no, he wasn't like that, right? Um, even though he probably didn't understand everything. There might be things about the Bible, things that God says, things that he commands you to do, you know, it's positions he has you to st- stand on that you don't really understand. You just kind of like, ah, oh, no, this is difficult, Lord. Do you think Noah understood what God commanded him to do, everything about it when he asked him to build an ark, you know, 500 miles away from the closest body of water? And yeah, God says, I want you to build this ark and all, all the animals, all the animals are going to come to the ark Right? And, and it's going to rain. There's going to be a flood. It's never rained before. There was this canopy covering the entire earth. Let me tell you something. Noah did not understand this. We don't understand everything that God says, reveals, and commands us to do, but we submit to it. We have to. You know, because otherwise we make ourselves to be God. So there was no... Noah in Noah, right? He built the ark. It's a beautiful thing. Genesis 6.22, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Genesis 7.5, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And in the process, he saved his family. Hebrews chapter 11 says he moved with godly fear for the salvation of his family. So it's, you know, God, sometimes he asks us to do big things. When God asks us to do something or obedient, it's a big thing. I call that a mountain dew, right? It's a mountain dew. Come on, you guys. It's a mountain dew. Say that. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> when God calls us to do something small, you might think it's small. It's called a hairdo. But whatever it is, <laughs> if God says do it, and God says jump, what do we say? How high? I mean, that makes life a lot simpler for me. It's a really, really, really good practice. As a church where his bride, it begins and it continues with those two words, I do. And so James gives us a very practical illustration in verse 23. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. And so, you know, imagine a man waking up in the morning, taking a look in the mirror and noticing he's got mud on his face, spinach in his teeth, that's caught there, you know, in between, uh, hair sticking up, shirt inside out. He sees himself in a mirror, and, and, and basically he sees kind of like things that he needs to change, right? Well, I need to floss my teeth. I need to scrub the mud off my face. Uh, even today I woke up with hair, a bad hair day, you know, and so I need to, whatever, get the gel and comb it or whatever, you know, and... Uh, 
You know, even worse. We've had seen worse things. So, you know, you, you, you know, you got stuff in your nose. I mean, you name it. It's a, it. Things can happen, right? And so you see it, but imagine how ludicrous, how ludicrous it would be to walk away and not do anything about it. He's saying that's what it is when people, first of all, yeah, it's good that you heard. It's good that you heard. What did God say? God said, do this, but you did nothing. He said, that's the equivalent of that. You know, what if on the way to get a cloth to clean or floss to floss or comb to comb, a closet to change your clothes, you forget everything you saw in the mirror and you go out the door on your merry way. Wouldn't that be weird? We have a little picture of a, of a kid looking in a mirror. I thought it was kind of cute. We would show you. You know, I don't know what you... He's got a funny look on his face. I was looking at that. I'm like, hey. But you know, um, we see... Um, what's, we should see... I would say this. How many of you here are perfect? Anyone here perfect? Okay, a couple of you are close, but... Um, no, none of us are, right? So don't you think there is at least something that God is putting his finger on and say, hey, Manny, I want you to deal with this now. Now, he can't show us everything because otherwise we would die. <laughs> There's so much to be changed. But right now... This is the remodel. Right now, this is what needs to change. There's always something going on. There's always some type of project that God is doing, chiseling away to make us more and more like Jesus. You know, when you look in this Bible, when you look in this Bible, it is a mirror. It's a mirror to show me things that I need to change in order to give him glory. Tony Evans said to look in a mirror is a call to action. And I like that. You know, James here tells us the same thing, that we can't be a forgetful hearer. And that's another thing I would encourage you, just as a quick side note, like when you're listening to a Bible study and you're like, hey, you know what, I need to do this, write a note, right? Maybe somehow, uh, don't forget, because sometimes if you're like me, I'll, I'll, oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's for me. And then, you know, next thing you know, you forget, right? So don't, do whatever you have to do to remember those things. Because as we're looking into this mirror, it's not just a mirror, you know, to uh, set me straight or, or whatever. It's not just a mirror, you know, or, or whatever, a Bible to, you know, I don't know, put me into bondage with all these rules and regulations. No, it is a, it is a word of God, the power of God, the seed able to save and sanctify. It is this thing, this truth that God gives us to set us free to set us free from all the lies of the devil from all the lies of those people that have spoken craziness into your life from all the things even of your own thoughts from all the religious obligations that are not of god they're just traditions of men you know what this perfect law of liberty does is it sets us free as we go out this is why god wants us to live it you know, one of the things I'm learning now that I, I, I'm in my 30s already. I'm just joking. I'm more. I, I'm learning is, Manny, enjoy your Christianity. Enjoy your privilege to serve in the ministry. Enjoy your wife. Enjoy your children. You know, because I used to kind of think that I couldn't. I almost felt like a monk. You know, I got to go and that's, I'm not. 
You know, and God's just saying, well, when you look at in the perfect law of liberty, you realize this is just my blessings for you. And he just sets us free. Verse 25, it says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. You know, and I, what's a blessing? Would you guys say, what's a blessing? A blessing, what? The new house? The new car? Maybe. But not necessarily, because that actually might mess you up. What's a blessing? A blessing is when something from God comes down, the heavens open, they split open, and they come down into your life, and it's good for you. That's all. And God will bless your life with love and joy and peace, purpose. And, and, and when you're, you, know, you get rid of the, the sin... You get that soil soft, you cultivate it, you break up the fallow ground, you get it ready for the seed that comes in. You're a Berean, eager and ready to receive God's word and to hear his voice, not man's voice, his voice. Then you end up saying, okay, now I understand the marching orders. They're very, very clear. And then you go out and you march and you do and you change and you grow. God says, if that's you, and it's pretty simple. I think all of us here would agree, yeah, that makes sense. You will be blessed. And that's the same thing Jesus said in John thirteen seventeen. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Some people, they're really, really proud of how much they know. God says, big deal. I have talked to some guys, and they've graduated from Bible college. They've graduated from seminary. Well, that's cool if, not just that you know, if you do them. Joshua 1.8, same thing. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God is saying, Joshua, I want you to memorize the Bible. I want you to memorize it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Okay, cool. Why? Oh, so that I can brag about how many Bible verses I have memorized? No. So that you can do it. And as you do it, you'll be blessed. Your whole life will be blessed. And there's a really cool psalm, Psalm 8411. It says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Listen to this. No good thing will he withhold. From those who walk uprightly. Isn't that, isn't that a cool promise, you guys? Not that we'll be perfect. None of us are perfect. But there is a consistency. There is a faithfulness. There is a desire. There is a sincerity. There is a proper life that we're living for the Lord. And so I want to encourage you guys in this challenge today to know the key to hearing God's word and then to have a commitment to do God's word. Warren Wiersbe said, just hearing the word is not enough. We must do it. Many people have the mistaken idea that hearing a good sermon or sitting in on a Bible study is what makes them grow and receive God's blessing. But the doing brings the blessing, not the hearing. He said, too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. And so we want it to to do that. He says right there, you know, able to save your souls. 
And so as we close today, I just want to extend an invitation for anyone here, or maybe watching online who is not a Christian, who has not yet made that commitment. You know, the, the word of God is able to save you because it presents the gospel in its, implicit, in its simple truth that, w- that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That our sins separate us from God. But Jesus died for our sins. They were all placed on him and suffered for us. He rose again the third day to show he had conquered the coffin, gutted the grave, defeated death, and that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. If you're here today and you don't know for sure where you will go when you die, you're here and you're like, I'm not really sure if I'm going to go to heaven. But I need to tell you this, that you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you place your faith in him, Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I pray that you would do that today.